Welcome to another powerful message from One Life OK. We really hope you enjoy it. And interestingly enough today, I want to talk to you about God's love. You know, as we've been studying faith, Teresa's been preaching a lot on faith. And as we've been studying faith, which just means believing the truths about the Father, the Son, and the Spirit. As she's been teaching on that, um, this one scripture has been standing out to me. And so I've been looking at it, looking at it, looking at it, thinking about it, thinking about it, and listening. And, and that, that scripture is in Galatians 5, 4 where it says, now, nothing matters except faith expressing itself through love. What you believe and how you express it. Nothing else matters. I like when he simplifies everything. Sometimes, you know, we can really be trying to develop a lot and so we're trying to just, you know, take it all in. And, you know, we're just so rich with just things that he's saying or showing or teaching. But sometimes it's good just to keep it simple. And so keeping that in mind that now nothing matters <laughs> except faith expressing itself in love. So then I wanted to take a look at love. You want to take a look at love with me today? So I had a couple questions. You know, it's hilarious to me, and we've talked about this before, but it's hilarious to me that we can we can reduce um, the power of love to an appetite towards something that we like, like ice cream or Oreos or potato chips personally. You know, whenever, when it's so much deeper and grandeur than that. And so I was wondering if we wanted to just kind of dive a little bit deeper into maybe the love of God instead of the love of things. So I just kind of wanted to ask a couple of questions. How much kingdom activity do you see around your life? What is your joy level like on a daily basis? Is your passion low or your enthusiasm small? Do you have little concern for others? What's your attitude toward others who may be in need and are broken and unlovely? These are really good questions, aren't they? Are you joyless in your relationship with God or find it hard to motivate yourself toward prayer or worship? 
How does your life display the generosity of God and the kindness of God consistently beyond how others act? Kind of getting down to some real love for what we're talking about today. Some real love. What is your ability to love others who don't love you and to pray for them to experience God? Do you serve others or live expecting others to serve you? Talking about love. God's love. You know, God's love is a different word for love than what we would use for I love ice cream or my dog. I do, she's so cute. You know, Oreo's been gaining some weight. That's my dog, and she's kind of getting some more stuff under her chin because she's a Boston Terrier, you know. And so, mm, that's delicious to me. Just get her by that neck. Mm-mm-mm. And even though he gives me all things for my pleasure to enjoy, I have to have a deeper source of love than the superficial. So I wanted to kind of briefly, and you know, just kind of cover some definitions of love in the Bible that may be different than our definitions of love. Because would you agree that if we're using the word love to describe ice cream and potato chips and somebody that we care about in our relationship with God who's done so much for us, that that is something's off. And the ability to accurately define what each one of those mean to us. Right? So we want to go a little deeper with that. Let's just cover a few, and these are just like the four big hitters, we'll just say. And so keep in mind, I don't know if you can see that very good or not, but keep in mind that when God talks about love, he is a little bit more specific. And he uses different words that represent love in the Bible. And so as, you're, as we're going over these, keep in mind that every relationship with the love of God, he wants it love to flow into every relationship. He wants it to flow in relationship with your friends. He wants it to flow in rela- your relationship with him. He wants it to flow in your relationship with your family or your tribe. He wants it to flow in relationship with your marriage. He is trying to get his perfect love in you to flow into all of your relationships. And you can see how that would make those relationships elevated to a different level. So we could say if that was, if the love of God, we'll call it the agape love of God. We'll say if agape was extracted out of those relationships with your family, your tribe, your friends, your mate, if that was extracted out, then what happens is it's not sustainable. Relationships that don't have a foundation 
of the agape love of God are not sustainable. They get distorted. They kind of go sideways. They kind of deteriorate. Um, they're harmful because they don't have the other person's best interest at heart sometimes. And so just real quickly, we're just going to run through these real quick, quickly, so you'll have a little bit of a grid kind of for what I'm talking about. Because I'm going for the high watermark of the, the love of God, the lavishing, overwhelming love of God in a powerful way flowing into you. That's the high watermark. And so we don't want to function out of that. And I'm going to tie that back to now nothing else matters, but faith operating through love is because we want to have the right love in order for faith to operate and have a good target. So let's just hit a couple of these real quick. I'm going to kind of go out of a different order probably because just because, because I can't. Keep in mind as we just go over this, like I just said, God's intention is for you to prosper in all of your relationships. And so he's giving you all kinds of relationships to make your life full. Relationship with him, relationship with friends, relationship with maybe your spouse, you know, relationship with a, a family bonding unit of some sort where you find a sense of belonging. He's trying to enrich your life with all of these aspects. Real quickly, let's take off for number one. Storage. Storage, um, you could say it was like storing you in a safe place so you can develop without anxiety. So if you have a real healthy family, then that would be a really good context for you to be nurtured, kind of find your identity, be able to grow. Um, if you don't have that, then God's good. It says it always puts the, the solitude in family where he has a spiritual family. That he says, I will tie you in because it's important to me that you're not solo. And so he wants to tie you in. And so that is called storage, or that is a place where he provides belonging and connection. Now, if that gets distorted and we begin to look for that to supply all of our needs instead of the true agape love of God to fill us and bring that into that relationship, then it kind of gets a little odd. Like maybe you begin to... Um, have an unrealistic expectation of, of people providing everything for you or you get codependent. I mean, it just gets really weird when you try to make people meet all your needs. And so it is, it is a God desire for you to have that, but it, he wants you to have it in a healthy way. Uh, another one is what it's got number two. Euros is for uh, married couples to be able to have connection and fruit. And so everything that has the agape love flowing into it will prosper because agape love chooses the best for the other person instead of trying to get their needs met. Do you feel like God is trying to get his needs met by you? I certainly hope not. I mean, I really love him and I really you know, try to delight his heart. But I think that, you know, it'd be nicer to have something more stable than just maybe what I could provide. So in that... 
it's a big deal that marrieds have connection. So what happens, though, is this can become distorted whenever we begin to make it about getting our needs met. And this happens in any relation, any of these relationships. Whenever we start to do that, then we start taking from people. And then when, when it becomes something that's demanded or taken from somebody, then that feels used, doesn't it? And that's not for good bonding. And so we want to love someone so well that they want to give. And you do that through agape. Everything's going to come back to that just saying. Philia uh, is friendships and companionships, a love of openness that's occupied with, you know, common interests or activities or values. Um, that can get where you kind of really have somebody that you feel like understands you, connects with you, you share things in life with. And so that kind of, that you can see where that could build a bond. And so that's another way where you're giving and taking, you're connecting with people, you're understanding them, you're caring about them, you're interested in them, and they're doing the same with you. Very powerful to have really good friendships. Um, and let's hit the last one, agape, of course. And you've heard a little bit about this. But think about God's love toward you. And what's that like? Did you have to get everything right and together uh, before he accepted you? I mean, he is so crazy, overwhelmingly full of love that he just gets you wherever you're at and he just swallows you up, you know? And, and that's where it says that when we were sinners, Christ died for us. So we don't have to question and he's all about us. You don't have to. He is all about you. He is all about you. He is not deterred by anything you got going on because his love is so overwhelming that it's just swallowing you up. So that is the greatest love. Let's just talk about a, a few definitions of why agape love is so great. Um. God's love is a love of choice. He's deliberate. In it, he always chooses the higher good for the other. And he demonstrates it with action. I mean, gosh, if somebody says that I love you and that's just words, that's really not very substantial, is it? But what if somebody loved you, said it with words and with actions? I mean, don't you really enjoy doing little things for people that you care about? I like that. I mean, you, you know, so much of life we think is in the big things, but it's, it's really in all the little things. You know, sometimes we think the power of love demonstrating this one really big thing, but God said, no, love in all of its aspects, all of the little tiny things, choices and the deliberacy of it is impactful when somebody's choosing it yeah. 
And so, you know, he, he says that in his word where he says that, you know, even if you go visit somebody who's sick or somebody who's in the hospital or somebody who's in prison or you give a cup of water here, that's what he is saying is you're demonstrating love in action. You know, we're doing this real fun thing, shooting. I've been talking about it a lot. We love to love, don't we? We love to love. It's so fun. We've got these guys we're working with on this job, and, you know, they're pre-believers. And so they, they do a lot of stuff. they got a lot of stuff going on. And so Shudy and I, we were talking about, hey, let's do something for them. You know, let's get some love in there. So I said, just pick a day and let's, let's go get some sandwiches and buy them lunch and blah, 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 all this kind of stuff and just treat them and, you know, just, just be really good to them. Well, it's really cute, and so they go do all that. And I said, now make sure you get them everything. You know, just load them up. And so they do that, her and Tessa. They go get some sandwiches, and they come back. And they set up the garage for them, and they put little towels on the buckets so they have a nice place to sit. And then they give them sandwiches and all kinds of stuff. And just in that, just that love, choosing the better for somebody else without doing it to get something in return, that is life-changing for people. Yeah. Yeah. That's an encounter with the, that's introducing the agape love of God to people, and people aren't used to that. Right. And so it has to have action. Love has to have action with it. What if we had compassion in action? Yeah. Why, don't, why don't we kind of maybe go the extra mile? And you know, love, you can count on it, it's always going to cost you something. It's going to cost you money, it's going to cost you time, it's going to cost you your pride of not being right, it's going to cost you something. And so that's why it's hard to function, it's hard for faith to function expressing itself in love if you are not full yourself of the agape love of God, which means that I connected to the source and so I freely give if I'm not connected to the agape love of God and I have some distorted views of what God's like then I might try to love people but it really falls short but I can guarantee you with the boys I can guarantee you that it's impactful not just because someone did something kind, but it's impactful because every day we're loving them, we're nice to them, we're choosing them, we're preferring them, we're honoring them, we're speaking kindly to them. And so it is something that God uses to impact people who don't know him. So... Agape, God's love is deliberate, is yours. He doesn't show prejudice with his target. Are you? He's generous, treats people better than they deserve. Do you? If not, then we need to get us some more agape. 
So I need some agape is what I'm needing. That's what we're needing. God is the source of this agape love. God is life. God is love. It's his nature. It happens without him having to think about it. It's just who I am. It's, it's who he is towards you. And that's how he wants to be toward others. So, in this agape, God is the source of this agape love. And we know that because 1 John 4, 19 says, and this is the hitch right here. We love God because he first loved us. I'm going to jump on down here to some more questions. Hopefully you're making a connection that you can't love people without letting God love you. Or we could even say to the degree that you let God love you, you have an ability to love people. And so, you know, we if we're going to really be impactful, and it's so important, um, especially the times in, in which we live, is that there's so much and, and untruths that keep people from really knowing the authentic God that they don't get to experience him the way that he wants to experience them. You know, and, uh, and that's a big deal to me. I don't know if it is to you, but it's a big deal to me. I don't want to just live my life and say, oh, I live in a nice house with a cute dog and air conditioning. Life is good. I want to look out beyond where I live and I want to see what everybody else's experience is and I want to elevate their experience. Judy gave me the... Hopefully you do too. So if he's saying we love because God first loved us, where is the ability to love coming from? So if you're trying to love on your own, we can do better. Let me just say it like that. I had to filter. I had filter, filter, filter until I came up with that one. We can do better. We can do a lot better. And so, you know, in Matthew 24 where it talks about um, as things begin winding down in the end of the ages and, and Jesus plans his return, there's things that are happening, which is deception, which blocks people's ability to come to God because it's based in untruths. And people who were even passionate lovers of God grow cold in their love. So that can be really detrimental to culture. Would you agree? I mean, there's so, much, there's so much stupid stuff out there. I mean, stupid stuff. Like, stupid stuff. I'm like, oh, man, that is so stupid. You know, not that I want to offend anybody, but, you know, whenever we worship things more than God, like the environment or the trees or, you know, 
there's a thing, you know, right now that I heard about that people are asking plants for forgiveness. That guy, that's got to go in the stupid category, doesn't it? You know, and it's kind of that thing Christy was talking about in Romans 1. Whenever we really do not honor God or respect God, then our mind gets stupid. You get turned over to these ridiculous ideologies that don't even make sense if you were in your right mind. So, truth is needed. You know, I'm really prayerful about and personally you know I have a high value for truth I love truth I've always loved the word when I got born again and I came back to God I mean whew, I love the word I was in the word all the time I'll come in my room that was before you had all this stuff you know electronically books all over my bed all kinds of different bibles all kinds of strongs and concordances and dictionary and I loved just knowing him because I did not have a clue Gosh, it's like I woke up. It's like, whoa, what all is there? You know, it's like, oh my gosh. And I just wanted to, just to know him. And, and, you know, I still stand on that foundation today of just my beliefs. I feel like I do a pretty decent job personally of not being shaken. Is because I'm still standing on those truths that I put in me in that foundational period. And you have to have that in order to um, do anything impactful for God. You've got to know truth. And so what happens a lot is if you can see where a hitch can come in and why the enemy would like to uh, work this way is that if we love according to how we've been loved by God, what do you think the game plan would be if you were a hater of God and his people? Would be to convince them that they're not loved, right? So then all of the love being outsourced and poured into you gets blocked off. And I would say, you know, for Christians or churchdom people, um, probably the most detrimental thing that the enemy uses to keep you from receiving and enjoying and living out and passing out the love of God, what he uses the most is performance. I mean, you don't have to agree with me, but that's just my personal opinion. Yeah. If, you, if I can get you to think that your ability to receive the love of God depends on you, then I've got you. So how do you do when you don't measure up to your own standard? What kind of little process do you have? You beat yourself up, get the boxing gloves on. What's your process? When you have a 
shortcoming or a failure, you come up short in something, what's your process? Are you standing on the truth that I am loved by God and that's my testimony? And that he and I will work through my heart together and we'll talk about it. And we, we he, he never retracts his love for me. Do you kind of get panicky and start slapping at the water? You know? Or you just stay floating. Oh, God, I did that again. Dang. Why do I do that? Oh, Holy Spirit, help me. So, it's, you know, really, any place... Um, that we're um, struggling or failing or, you know, not maybe measuring up to what God um, says is the standard, then what happens there is I personally feel like there's a deficiency in the agape. Even when I fail... I've already been brought near. Jesus took care of that. So I will never not be able to come close. That was a double negative right there. Did y'all stay with me? Did y'all follow me with through that? You will never not be able to be close. You always will. Agape love. What's the definition? That's what I'm trying to say. What's the definition? I'm deliberate. I choose it. It's not just a flighty feeling that I have. I make a commitment and I don't ever change my mind. That's the God kind of love. Agape. He could just say, I agape you. <laughs> what if he said that to you? Which he is. I agape you. Would that mean anything to you? What does that mean to you now that you know the right definition? I'm deliberate. I'm consistent. I never change my mind. I've already made the decision. It's a settled deal. So really, there's two camps that happen. Is that he's already poured out and lavished out his love on you. It's that thing I was talking about where he, <clears throat> oh, no matter where you are, he swallowed you up. You know, I think he likes to tussle around, Judy. Likes to tussle around a little bit. He does, likes to tussle around a little bit, you know. And he's also a sweet lover too. But he's playful. And so where's your mindset in that truth? God's love is agape. Do you partner with agape? Or do you get out of agape and get into condemnation? So I think the point, one of the points I'm trying to make is if we are going to 
walk in a foundation of truth with God and have expressions of agape that are impactful, then that means we're going to have to really stand on truth instead of lies of condemnation, and it depends on us. You would do better instead to lean on him. We'll say that again. Y'all said yes, but I know you need me to say it again. You would do better to rely, have dependency upon him. If Just think, wow, if we could remove out of the way that it's all contingent on us, if we could remove that out of the way and say it's contingent upon Jesus. And so in all of my day, I'm staying in him. Right. And so, see, the enemy cuts us off, and so then we get deficient and dry. We're trying to give away this stinky love. It's not on the board. It's stinky love. Yeah. We could make up a Greek name for that. Stankayo. That's <laughs> what that would be called. That's what that is. With a hyphen over the O. You know, makes it a little long. Stankayo. Kind of. Mm-hmm. So if you're going to have faith and express love, you're going to have to shear that up. That it's all about Jesus. What he's already done, and you stand in it, and you're deliberate. I mean, you got to be deliberate. I don't know how deliberate you are. If you're going to walk in love, you're going to have to defend your position in Christ. You get that? If you're going to walk in agape, you're going to have to defend who you are in Christ. I feel like I need to say it again, and I'm sorry, but I just feel like I need to say it again. If you're going to walk in agape, if you're going to have any sort of a impactful life, you will have to defend your position in Christ. What do you think it looks like to defend that? So when lies are swirling all around, yeah. you're going to be, have to be able to stand on truth. There's no condemnation in Jesus Christ, and I'm one with him. I'm one with the force, and the force is one with me. <laughs> so, you know, I, I really have a lot of compassion for um, people who get stuck in that place where they're thinking that um, 
receiving the love of God is based on their performance. Because, man, isn't that the saddest thing? It's because love is full on. I mean, agape is on. Agape is flowing. You know, agape has a desire and a passion and a target in his you. But then when that performance thing gets in and we partner with that, we shut off the flow from reaching us. And then we get into just religious duties trying to do things and comply. That's frustrating. It makes for frustration. And really, it makes for, um, can kind of make you disheartened and weary. But man, when the agape is full on, and no matter how you're feeling about you, you are letting that agape flow into you and you are defending your position in Christ in that and you're receiving that. Man, there's like so much life that flows out of that. And talk about becoming wide awake. You begin to see everything. And otherwise, you know, that's what we talk about. You're looking in your belly button. You're spending all your time trying to manage or fix or figure out or, or do all this stuff. And it's like, oh, that's a broken process. It's a broken process. You know, in Jude, I love that little book of Jude. In Jude, um, it, it kind of talks about just how God has the ability to keep us from stumbling and to defend us and to present us blameless. That's what I call cozying up (laughs) to my position in Christ right there. You know, and when that comes, I just say, oh, Jesus. (laughs) You know, it says that even though our hearts condemn us, he is greater than our heart. Does that mean that what's, what we're doing or partnering with has no effect and does it matter? No. That means that the agape is ever present in any condition that you find your heart in. Wherever you find your heart, agape is always present. You can just bring your heart over to agape and you can allow him to pour his love in, to speak to you, to heal you, to break off lies that keep you in torment. So I'm just saying, if we do not, this is apprehending our destiny year, if we do not learn that, We're going to be very inconsistent at most. When the agape is available and super powerful. I love the agape. I love to partner with the agape. I love the agape. I love it so much. So fun. Like, don't you just love, like, it doesn't matter what people are doing. Don't you love to kind of go over here and do something fun that you know they're going to like? And you're planting it over there. And it's like, oh, this is going to be so fun. You know, and then you take it into the room. And you throw it down there. And then you 
you know, you just leave it there for them to find. You know, it's all these things that partnering with agape is so fun. It's what I'm saying is when we partner with agape and we get that out of the way and we have, we're defending our position in Christ and love, we're letting him love us. Not telling him all these disqualifiers. We're letting him love us and we're letting that love come in. We're letting him wash all over us and we're in that place. That's that life. I mean, I do well when I feel loved. I have joy. I can see stuff. I'm not selfish. I do so good in love. Man. And people can be away. It's okay. You know what I mean? Not offended by them cussing, you know, smoking cigarettes, all these things religion's offended by. Because I love the person. The agape already decides to love. And so if you are, uh, I think we can all grow in our ability to express love through what we believe. We all have room for that. But if you're having difficulty there, I would suggest that you have got to go back to the drawing board and the basics. And you've got to really look into every, be a student. You've got basically, you're going to have to be a student of all that Jesus loves you and poured out for you. You're going to have to be a student of that. And I'm saying that today, and I know some people need it. I know some people will do it, and I know some people won't. And I'm, you know, that's that's a little bit sad that you'll stay in that cycle or that broken process and in duress. But you know, you've got to do some work. You got to bring you to this relationship. You got to bring you over to this relationship with God and not sit over there and, and think he's going to do all the work. I don't know how long I'd stay in a relationship that I had to do all the work. Unless you're a rescuer, you might do that, but I don't know that I would. And so you're going to have to do some work because it's you partnering with the lie. He will help you. He gave you the helper. You really have everything you need. So I'm just saying, and I'm sorry for spending so much time on this point, but I'm just saying that's a really big hitch is us thinking it's on our performance. God's love flowing into me and through me to others is dependent upon my performance that's different than me defending what he's already done for me those are two different things so i'm just saying if you really want to walk in love and we should make it our goal that we are just agape lovers because in matthew 24 it's going to be it's needed it breaks down so much love never fails well, why aren't we doing that more? Love never fails. Right? I mean, it just never fails. I mean, participate, staying in agape is amazing. You know, I, I had, gosh, 
you know, being raised by my dad was, that was a long road. No, just kidding. It was, it was an event. Um, and so I remember when I got born again in college and God really began to do a lot in me that I just had to really practice a lot of forgiveness. A lot of forgiveness. A lot, a lot, a lot, a lot, a lot of forgiveness. And a lot of letting go um, of what he taught me about me to let God teach me about me and redevelop my identity. And I remember that it was so freeing that by the time he was getting older and passing away that I didn't need anything from him. I didn't need him to say he loved me. I didn't need him to say he was proud of me. I had needed zero from him. And I could look at him as a hurting person that God wanted to get to. And I would just, I would just, I was able to take me out of the equation because I had healing. And so then I would just partner with God. Hey, God, you know, what does he need right now in this season in his life? What does he need? And God told me. Yes, and I had never heard him phrase it this way before, but he said what, what your dad needs before he dies, and that's an eternal thing that happens, what he needs is he needs the gift of repentance. And I'd never heard him phrase that to me that way before, and I wasn't even for sure what all that meant. I just know that I asked, and he said it, and that was needed. So I just did that. I would just begin to pray that, just giving the gift of repentance, the gift of repentance, the gift of repentance. He had had a lot of pain and injury and harm and hurt and disappointment, Give him the gift of repentance. And then he started telling me that he started having angelic visitations. And I was like, hmm. Some, the gift of repentance must have showed up. Because there's heavenly activity showing up. To the point where he had a visitation from Jesus and he would describe it. And so... You know, in order to keep the agape on, it requires truth, requires forgiveness. And as we practice truth and forgiveness, and we position ourselves in the defense of what Christ has done for us, agape becomes, uh, begins to come in and fill you up and do, ama- do an amazing work where your life is so full of joy because the agape is flowing out of you and you are partnering God for people and for things. I'm just telling you, that just makes me have the most joy ever. I love the thing we've got going on with the boys over there. I love that. I love going to the store and meeting scratchy people, don't you? Thinking of somebody in particular at Home Depot or you. You know, I just love that. Because we're looking at them, judging them for being scratchy when they're just hurting. And we've got the agape, but we're judging them. So... I know that it's really in your heart to have authentic love, but you're not ever going to be able to express authentic love in an impactful way until we let the agape come in. We've got to be really good at that.
So that means really looking into, celebrating, being a student of what all Christ has done for you. Everything you have is because Christ died for you. He opened the swung the door wide open and he's never closed it. And so if you're going to access it, then it's going to have to come through that. It's going to have to come through you being a student. Thank you, Jesus. Why am I not understand everything, but I celebrate what I do understand? This is what you say. You said this. And so, you know, I just see myself living in that. Not living in condemnation. Because you're greater. All I have to do is bring me. I say, oh, that's just an identifier. There's some agape needed there in that place. Agape is needed in that place. You know, sometimes we even just use judgment at others because we're not trying to look at us. So don't be afraid to look at you. Bring you. Let my agape touch you. Bring you. And then you began to look at people differently that you were judging. Then you're not that Pharisee that says, what does Jesus say? Oh, you tithe on this and you tithe on that little mint and herb and all that. I start to say herb. Mint and herb and herb. And you miss the weightier things. You won't even lift a finger to help anybody. That's because you're deficient in agape. Agape says, I'm going to move towards you. I'm going to make a decision to move towards you in goodness no matter how you act. And as I do, I'm going to say, oh God, encounter them. going to take truth it's going to take forgiveness let me try to wrap this up so we can go to lunch let's see (laughs) oh yeah 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 once you come into the kingdom then you automatically enrolled in the University of Love. Yeah. Signs you up. Yep. All right, we'll sign you up for courses 101. Let's get some basics down. You get enrolled in the University of Agape. So that's really fun because then what happens there? <laughs> you get some practice. Yeah. Mm-hmm. When you get enrolled in the University of Agape, then God begins to position you around people to, um, I don't want to say scratchy, but that may annoy, you know, bother, agitate. What are those fun words right there? You know. And so then, once you get enrolled in the school, and you're all enrolled, let me just tell you, you're, you're enrolled. Because if you're going to be a son and a daughter of God, then you've got to look like your father. So you've got to learn agape. 
So that's really learning how to be like your father. So you're learning agape. So what he does is he puts you in uh, places and positions where you'll get to encounter that. And so what do you do when that happens? Do you get mad and frustrated? Do you feel like a failure? Like if you, if you can't, you know, always do the thing that's in your heart to do? Do you let him continue to teach and train you? I mean, gosh, I remember when I first started. Like, I would talk to somebody, and I would maybe have judgments because of something they had going on. And now I see people who got stuff going on, and I don't have judgments, but I have love. I've been in the university a little bit. And so in the university of love, then you learn to let God love you so then you can begin to love others. And so in all of these opportunities, you know, keep practicing. Keep practicing, keep practicing, keep practicing, keep practicing. This is what God calls the process of shaping and remaking. And so it's just the process of just shedding bad beliefs, you know, shedding bad attitudes, shedding biases, shedding prejudices, just shedding all of that. And then you're receiving the agape and then you're giving that purely away. And like I already said, Matthew 24, that's what we got to have in this time. In wisdom, Papa will position you in the proximity of people who may trip you up. Thank you. You got to say thank you when that happens. Thank you. I mean, I love that. I love to know when I'm out doing my day and I've got a toad and I bump into somebody. Oh, there was a toad right there. Then I go over and say, oh, God, thank you for helping me identify that because I don't want to go through my whole day. I can shift right here. I can get on. I can adjust. And then I can get on the fun train of, hey, what are we going to see today? And so we just have to adjust. So, you know, if you find yourself there and you're annoyed a lot, you're going to have to um, get back to your first love. And so just to wrap up today, you know, I wanted to wrap up with this one thing that I just really love so much. Um, It's really our ability to not settle for anything short of our union or reunion, depending on where you are, with our first love. It's really changing our definition of love, that there is authentic agape love that you got to have. And that's the highest love. Anything that agape encounters or flows through prospers. Relationally with you and your relationship with him and with other people. 
And so let's just wrap up with setting the record straight who our first love should be. I love him because he is mine. Um, and you don't necessarily have to go here. I can read it to you. But this is what Jesus was saying. You know, we can, we can start with first love and we can get away from it. We've got to get ourselves back. You know, in Revelation 2 where it's talking about, uh, you've got to read it. You're doing all these things. And see, that's that performance thing. You're doing all these things, but it doesn't have the mark of agape on it. So don't be deceived that that's the thing to do. If you're absent of agape, you better go back and get it because nothing else counts. Nothing else matters. So in that, it says, you know, he's trying to set the record straight. I know you're doing all this stuff religiously, but you've gotten away from the sweetness and the intimacy and the joy and the delight of me. And we got to get back. So just real briefly, uh, Revelation 2. I know all that you've done for me. You've worked hard and you've persevered. You know, sometimes we want to tell God that, don't we? And he's like, well, it wouldn't be so hard if you'd gotten up next to Agape. Well, that's our badge. I know that you don't tolerate evil. You've tested those who have claimed to be apostles, but they were not. They were imposters. I know how you've bravely endured trials and persecutions because of my name. You think that would be what he was saying. That's my stamp of approval. Well done. But he said, mm-mm. I have this against you. This is Jesus speaking. These are red words. Or say red words. I have this against you. You've abandoned the passionate love you had for me in the beginning. Think about it in return. Then do the works of love that you did at first. I mean, some of us might already be there in love, and we're, but that, and that's great. But we we want to continue to build our defense of our position in Christ, and receive, stay under that waterfall, so we can be consistent and impactful. But he's just saying, "This is what I desire. This is what I desire." repent and do the works of love. Do the works of love. Yeah. <sighs> Don't you like that? Do the works of love. It's so easy to do things when you're full of love. So easy. So easy. Sometimes you've got to wheel it back a little bit. What, what are you doing right here? And what does it look like? You know, so do the works of love you did at first. Mm. This is a footnote from Brian Simmons on that. Or, you have abandoned your first love. The Greek word for first, protos, means foremost. You've left the foremost, the best, the paramount, the supreme, the crowning love of all. You're number one. 
It's just something we're always going to have to uh, navigate ourselves toward. Are you my number one? Is this person my number one? Is this thing I'm going after my number one? Is this godly desire that I desire my number one? You're my number one. Jesus is referring to exclusive love that has first place in our hearts above everything else. Our first love is the love God has for us. That's our first love. He first. I'm trying to go first. We love God because he first loved us. Being loved deeply and in this internal love is the definition of first love. It is a love that will be expressed by our passionate devotion to Jesus Christ. And it will be seen in our relationships with other people. I have about 5,000 scriptures, but I will go ahead and not read all those. <laughs> yeah, this is the last thing. This is a wrap-up, another wrap-up. Once you have discovered your first love, you have learned and continue to learn that God's love walk is an expression of your relationship with him. Yes. So, Papa, I thank you that you found me lovable. Yeah. I thank you that you found me delightful. I thank you that you found me a treasure. I thank you that wildly you call me your inheritance, that you love to apprehend. And so today I'm just asking for grace to come over your people to move away anything that would try to make it about performance, make it about us instead of Jesus. So Jesus, you're my one thing. You're my one thing, Jesus. No one's done more for me than you. So you have my devotion and my affection and I invite your agape to flow through me into all my relationships that I will bring you glory and honor and praise. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you for listening to this message from One Life OK. For more information, please visit us at onelifeok.com.